Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. Do your family know your wishes when it comes to organ donation when you die? And despite the human tissue bill passing through the doll, family consent is still central to organ donation in this country. Matthew McNeve was the recipient of a kidney when he was just 11 years old. Matthew's with us on the programme today. Matthew, tell us a little bit about your story, please. Hi, Andrea. Thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, so my story pretty much started even before I was born. Um, I'm a twin, luckily, and when they were scanning just your normal ultrasound um, during gestational stage, they found a buildup of fluid in my bladder which turned out to be a blockage. And unfortunately, even after removing the fluid from the bladder, the uh, reflux had caused one of my kidneys to be completely fail and the other to be severely damaged. Um, It's known as Eagle Barrett syndrome or prune belly syndrome. So thankfully, when I was born, there was no other complications there. That, you know, they were able to kind of just remove the um, necrotic kidney after about 18 months. And I lived off the one that was kind of, you know, half, only working until up to 2009, where I completely failed then, and I ended up on paired needle dialysis. And my mother uh, thankfully learned to do it at home, and it was a case of it was four days on, two days off for 12 hours each time, from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Uh, in the evening time. Mm. And that was grand then. I was only young, so I didn't really know what was going on too much. Just thought this was just the way it was. And then I got that phone call then in January 2010 at 2 a.m. in the morning. My, my mother got the call, obviously, when I was just 11 to get out to the kidney waiting for me up in Temple Street. And um, so, yeah, I trekked up from Mayo up to Temple Street in uh, 2010, January. And my life changed after that then. I just couldn't believe that. Everything I was able to do since then, there were no diet restrictions, been able to play contact sports kind of for a while afterwards, be able to swim, all this kind of stuff, not being hooked up to a machine four nights a week. And then the week I was due to start college in uh, September of 2018, the kidney unfortunately kind of rejected and it went back into failure. And then again, ends on the hemodialysis, which I currently do now for the last five years in uh, Beaumont Hospital three nights a week for four and a half hours each time. And so are, are you now waiting on an, on another transplant, Matthew? Another transplant, yes. Yeah. And that's very yeah. difficult because I know you were born with um, with the issues with your kidney, but but you've gone then, you know, through, I suppose, living with all of that, you've then had the transplant when you were 11 years of age. You saw the change to your quality of life and, and how much that changed. And now in many ways, like, are, are you back to where you were when you were younger, pre the first transplant? or Pretty like much. Um, someone argued that you're in kind of a worst case scenario. I was only waiting nine months for the first transplant. Um, at that stage, it was just based on kind of pretty much blood type. But this stage now, having acquired antibodies from the last kidney, it's a lot trickier. Your chances are a lot lower um, to receive a kidney. So like, you know, I'm on a kidney sharing scheme in the UK with my mother. And the last two years, I haven't been successful. And there's like four runs a year. So it's just a case of really trying to get that kind of perfect match just because there's so much um, kind of correlation between your, your antibodies and, and the match you get. And there's no point putting just the blood type match into you because it might only last a few days to a few weeks. And, you know, you'd be back to square one again. So the the match is trickier to find this Absolutely, time. Absolutely, second time round. Yeah, yeah. And it, how long now is that, sorry, 
is are, are so you know? I've been waiting since January 2018. Sorry, uh, September 2018. Okay, so you're five years. Yeah, five yeah. years. And 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 in those in the last five years, Matthew, can you give us a sense of how your quality of life has been affected, or or how much of you know the the normal things are you doing day to day? Yeah. So they kind of took me off the immunosuppression straight away, pretty much once the kidney did fail. There's no point being on those kind of heavy hitting drugs when there was no kidney function. So after that kind of happened, you literally, your, your output, your urinary output just dropped. So any fluid that you drink stays in your body until it's taken off during dialysis, which means I'm on a litre of fluid allowance a day. Sometimes I could be parched, but you know, you can't really have, you can't let yourself go and just drink loads because that's going to build up in your body and cause, you know, in the future, uh, long-term problems. And then, as well as that, because you're not passing any urine, your diet is so strict, something that's high in potassium or phosphate, which is pretty much everything. <laughs> I've come to know all the good stuff anyways. I know. Um, it's restricted. And then even that now, we're having to be, uh, report back to Beaumont three times a week. It means I haven't been, I've been on one sun holiday and the last five years, um, and I had to get dialysis sorted abroad. And it's kind of hard now, all your mates are booking skiing at this time of the year and stuff, and other holidays, and you kind of can't really join them on that. And then as well as I used to love swimming, but the kind of risk of infection, because I have literally a catheter that leads to my heart um, in my chest at the moment, you know, that's kind of cut out as well. As well as just, you know, the kind of social side of things, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday evening, I'm in Beaumont for five hours. So it's a massive, there's, you know, there's huge restrictions really, Matthew, on, on your life and what you can yeah. do. Yeah. Do you think we have a sort of a misguided view about what life is like when, you know, when people require or, 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 or take dialysis? Um, to be honest, if this condition probably wasn't happened happen to me, I probably wouldn't even heard about it. It's not something that you hear that often um, until you, unless you know someone or a relation or a friend is going through it. But it definitely needs to be advertised more, absolutely. So hopefully that's this bill that's been passed about the opt-out um, organ donation is, is a great, great step forward in the kind of this overall organ donor awareness. But yeah, no, it's, it's you know, on the scale of things, it's not the worst condition in the world, yeah. but it's very unsociable kind of... Um, that's a restriction. I know, and unfortunate, yeah. I suppose, when you've you, you went through the the transplant, you know, when you were eleven, and and that had worked so well, and the quality of life you had, and 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 hopefully you'll you, you'll get that back again, Matthew. Colin White is with us too, Matthew. Colin is the the national advocacy and projects manager with the Irish Kidney Association. Colin, you might just explain um, the human tissue bill that's passing through the doll. Just explain what that is again, Colin. Um, the Human Tissue Bill is a massive piece of legislation. Um, the organ donation and transplantation part is, is is only one element of what's being covered. But for the first time in the history of the state, uh, the national legislature is passing, um, or let's say in the process of passing an, a- an act that is going to put a little bit of order on how organ donation and transplantation work out. So under our current system, it's often referred to as opt-in, which can be quite misleading because under our current system, anybody who is identified as a potential organ donor, this would normally be you're in an intensive care unit on a life support machine and um, the doctors unfortunately have lost the, uh, the fight to save your life. 
at that point, organ donation would be considered, the family would be approached for consent, and if consent is given, organs are retrieved and transplanted. If consent is not given, organ retrieval does not take place. The legislation is introducing what they're calling soft opt-out with family consent. So the headline is that uh, you will have the opportunity to opt out of organ donation if you choose to do so. Um, an opt-out register will be developed and, and made publicly available. But if you have not opted out, you will be considered a potential organ donor. But in every case, the family will continue to be approached. Now, the approach will be ever so slightly different. Rather than approaching saying, have you considered organ donation, the approach will be more along the lines of, is there any reason why your loved one would not want to be an organ donor? So whilst the legislation is very positive and there's other aspects mm. such as altruistic donation being introduced, we really have to make sure that we don't lose sight of the importance of the family conversation. And I think the thing we need to think about in terms of organ donation is not only about those who receive the transplants, but think about it as a legacy to your family, because quite often when talking with uh, donor families, you'll hear them say it was the one bright light in a very dark time, that yes, they're experiencing their sense of loss and, and sadness, but at the same time, they can realize that because their loved one was able to donate their organs, that there are three, four, five other families out there that are going to get to celebrate another Christmas together or any any of life's kind of uh, milestones uh, that, that, that become so important. So it's effectively like the entire country has now opted in, Colin, unless you choose to opt out, but your family will still be, there will still be some conversation with your family in advance of that. Yes, the family are, are still the ultimate arbiter as to whether uh, retrieval goes ahead. So, um, like the purpose of the organ donor card or the organ donor card app is as an icebreaker to get that conversation going. Like it's not a legal document in its own right, but it can be a tough conversation uh, to have over the dinner table. It's not kind of the normal conversation you're going to have. But if you pick up an organ donor card or if you hear about it, on the radio, your place of work, wherever it might be, um, requesting the organ donor card by going on to www.ika.ie is um, the easiest way of getting an icebreaker. To, the donor card will be delivered to your, to your postal address and there's a space for your next of kin to sign. And um, hence you have the conversation and your family can kind of share between them uh, what their de- decision is in relation to organ donation. I presume, you know, in terms of the, the number or the availability of organs that will be available, like it would obviously change things quite considerably, Colin. Uh, you would think that, but the reality is that there's only about maybe 1% to 2% of people who die uh, each year in Ireland die in appropriate circumstances to be a potential organ donor. So in most cases, as I said, in an ICU on a life support machine. Um, and then you may have uh, various reasons why uh, either some or all of the organs are not suitable 
for, for transplants. So it is, it's a very limited pool, which uh, makes it all the more important that uh, we get as much family consent as we can, that um, if every possible organ donor uh, becomes an actual organ donor, that if, if people have the conversation, so take the w- time over Christmas, like it's absolutely the gift that keeps on giving. Um, like I've I've known Matthew for a number of years, and um, like I I've known him when he was transplanted, and I've known him since he's gone back on dialysis. And like it's remarkable what Matthew has achieved mm. during his time on dialysis. Like he, he he's uh, quite a remarkable young man. But when you sort of see the potential of somebody like that, and you realise that even more could be unleashed um, if he got another transplant um, it's, it, it's kind of very encouraging like when you get to see what people can do post-transplant be it kidney, liver, heart lung, yeah. pancreas um, it's extremely uplifting and um, one thing I've noticed on nearly 20 years now with the Irish Kidney Association is that profound sense of gratitude and, and it doesn't fade it's like somebody who's 20 years, 30 years, 40 years transplanted is still thinking about their donor and still kind of, yeah, I'm getting to look forward to another Christmas because of my donor. Or I got to walk yeah. my daughter down the aisle because of my donor. And um, did, did you, Matthew, did you know or ever meet the family of your donor? No, I don't think that's allowed. I'm not sure for the exact reason. However, if I did want to contact the family of my donor, I would have to approach my transplant coordinator and kind of, you know, maybe give a gift to them or a card. But no, generally, it's not encouraged that you meet the family of the donor. But, but the, I suppose the um, the recognition, you know, and and the the gift of 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 receiving a transplant or an organ that Colin mentioned, like I'm sure that's something that that lives with you over the years. Oh, absolutely. Even for my first donor, I got all the secondary school. Um, on with the, with the no dialysis, and I was absolutely amazing. I probably wouldn't be here today if I hadn't that kidney. And so, really, really do appreciate it. When you do have it, you know, just your kind of lust for life kind of comes back in a way. Yeah. Um, and you're just kind of able to live again. You're not paranoid about everything that goes into your into your mouth, whether it be fluid or food, and you're able to kind of go on these holidays and just kind of live a normal life. And then when you end back up in dialysis, you're kind of even more appreciative of the years that you did have transplanted. You know. The human tissue bill, Colin, has that that has that is fully now um in the statute books. That's No, pal- not not quite. Um it's today it's actually um in committee stage in the Shannon. And um I think it's a little bit more tidying up, but the hope is in the coming weeks that uh it will land in the Oris for the final signature to make it an act. Okay. And, and then it comes to um when are all the various measures contained within the Act going to be uh, commenced because there's a little bit of preparation going to be required, like the establishment of an opt-out register, things like that. A a national kind of public education campaign will be really important. Mm. Well, just on on that, I suppose, and and, and people, you know, meeting up with family and particularly their immediate family over the Christmas period. Matthew, your message, you know, to people about having that conversation? Pretty much Colin summed it up there. It's perfectly, you know, it's the case of just getting the message out and 
making people aware of the lifestyle on dialysis or you know other forms of um, organ failure where a transplant is needed and then the kind of lifestyle post-transplant and the difference it makes the individual and the individual's family. It's just really important that that kind of message is highlighted and even the logistics of organ transplantation about how someone has to die in a, in a kind of really very specific manner for the organs to be of use. And unfortunately, that's just not the case. Um, and a lot of times, so having this building passed is, is really, really kind of monumental in the overall kind of campaign for organ drawing awareness as it really should exponentially increase transplants per year, which is ultimately the, mm. the end goal. Listen, Matthew and Colin, thank you both for, for joining us today and, and Matthew for, for sharing your story with us as well. Matthew McNeve and Colin White, who's the National Advocacy and Projects Manager with the Irish Kidney Association. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.